Hi, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog, and today I am here with Justin Harnish, author of Meaning in the Multiverse, A Skeptic's Guide to a Loving Cosmos. Justin, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's really my pleasure, Matt. Thank you for having me. Um, so, you know, to get started, for people who might not have heard of your book or be familiar with it, tell us about it. You know, what's it about? So, uh, meaning in the multiverse stems from the idea that uh, we can look at what is fundamental to the universe in many different ways. So, uh, the conception that, uh, that material is fundamental to the universe is pretty well formed in physics, but it's not the end-all be-all of, of where we're going to get to. And uh, I, I wanted to understand the different conceptions of the universe that people have, and also if there was a universal meaning that was possible from those conceptions. And so the book really goes into uh, understanding our intuitions about a universe that is built from material and and how meaningful that might be from a universal perspective uh, for uh, for humankind and for our lives in, in general. Uh, and then uh, also looking at if the universe was made of consciousness, if most fundamental to the universe was was consciousness and that sort of uh, experiential uh, place that we get to. Uh, that, that sort of experiential place that we get to uh, with uh, uh, our sort of conscious conception of ourselves. And then uh, also looking at whether information was most fundamental to the universe or the universe was built on information and material in more of a computational way. And, and so really trying to understand um, the way that the universe or eventually a parallel universe uh, was, was built and, and how that might be meaningful in terms of for humanity. Some of our greatest thinkers have really gotten it wrong because they think of humanity in terms of uh, just our lack of galactic uh, range and distance that we've traveled, or maybe our nascent computational abilities, or they look at uh, how little that we have done to really expand beyond the parochial use of fossil fuels and the energy that's available to the planet. And they don't look at the broader picture sometimes about what humanity and intelligent creatures like us uh, that are likely out there really bring to the universe itself. And a couple of those things that are, uh, you know, I know part of the spiritual media uh, realm and, and what you talk about on your blog, uh, a couple of those things are our subjective experience, our, our conscious ability to be mindful of experience and really open up you know, profound personal meaning. And, and if that's all it is, that's, that's great. It really opens up our spiritual side. Uh, those, those ideas of, of, of transcendence and, and more profundity from just experiencing the present moment as it really is. 
that mindful or Vipassana approach to the present moment uh, is, is one way that humanity is, you know, maybe, maybe unique in, in the whole of the universal scope to be able to uh, build meaning not only just for itself, but also for the universe and the multiverse at large. We may be the only things that are able to experience and appreciate the profundity of the multiverse itself. It may use us to experience itself and experience the profundity of what it is to be a multiverse. Uh, that might not be something that is open to it, is, is experience. And the other one that, uh, that humanity uniquely possesses on a, on a multiversal scale is the ability to utilize knowledge and, and scientific knowledge especially to be able to manipulate technology and develop that knowledge into something that alters the universe. So one of the things that's written in the book and that David Deutsch also brings up in his book is the idea that, that knowledge is, is one of those things that can manipulate the universe to such a degree that the, the coldest place in the known universe is actually just south of me here in Utah in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and that's a place that, you know, has, has created a, a, a vacuum condition and, and the conditions. So the, the temperature in, in that vessel is just a tenths to hundredths of a degree above absolute zero, minus 273 uh, degrees centigrade. And so that is something that if we are to find a colder place in the known universe, we know that that's a product of knowledge. And again, that might be meaning that uh, the universe can't do for itself. The universe is not a, a, an intelligent machine as far as we know. It might have to use us for these deep learning approaches. And, and both experience and our ability to um, manipulate knowledge and, and, and technology are very meaningful to the universe and, and uh, essentially to ourselves as a species as well. Yeah, I really like how you draw in different theories and different perspectives on um, finding meaning. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, what were some of your own life experiences or subjective experiences that got you interested in trying to find, you know, meaning in, in life? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And um you know, I sit daily in uh, Vipassana practice that I thoroughly enjoy and that brings a great deal of, of personal meaning to my life. And I've done that off and on for over 25 years um, and, you know, have really driven um, that practice uh, to a place where I am. It's it's one of the, the, the greatest joys and, and, and sources of meaning for for myself. And for anyone who's sat there and tried to just experience what it is to you know, simply breathe or to uh, understand what thoughts really, where they come from, what a thought is, how they unravel when you're aware of them. Um, two more esoteric concerns about what is consciousness really? What form does it take? when your eyes are open? What form does it take when your eyes are closed? Um, and uh, 
in in some of those you know, deeper practices, I, I wrote a blog post once that was uh, entitled "Is Consciousness an Innie or an Outie?" And to me, that's one of those those questions that you don't really get into unless you have explored uh, some of that sat in personal experience in a, in a meditation setting where you can't really tell anymore if consciousness is coming from within uh, or if it's coming from without and, and from the universe itself. And, and you're part of this grander stream of, of consciousness that, that many people, especially, you know, as they get to be more well-practiced and, um, more, uh, and, and, and even those who are more psychonauts and experience more of that, uh, psychedelic, you know, exposure to, um, other states of consciousness really find, um, you know, questions whether or not you have this more idealistic framework where the universe is actually supplying in part consciousness or um, whether or not it's really a, a brain-based uh, component. And so those sort of experiential components of, of a meditation practice are absolutely uh, fascinating. And, and, and really the, the beauty of it is you're the only person that can do those experiments in your, in your conscious state. Like it, it is up to you to try. You don't have to take my word for it. As a matter of fact, it's gonna be different for everyone. And um, you're the only person on that side of experience for yourself. And it is profound and, and, and likely to cause uh, a, a great deal of uh, joy and overcoming suffering, as well as some real, um, some, some, some insights that are, are mind benders and really hard to overcome. So that's been a great source of personal meaning. Uh, obviously I am, really attuned to the scientific side of, of humanity and um, just believe that, that we have such a gift in, in science and, and, and the universe, the multiverse is such an awe-inspiring uh, thing to appreciate. Thinking about the future of science, so metaphysics, you know, what is science gonna look like 200 years? If you think about, you know, our own time on the planet as we record this podcast, we're in the 50 year, maybe one or two generations of people that understood black holes, that, that understood that they were out there, that it, they existed at all. And, and to me, that's a, it, it gives me a, a great deal of optimism for the future. You know, we get, we get down on ourselves as humanity and we, we have certainly made, you know, huge mistakes in, in our application of science, but, but some of the things that we do with it are, are beautiful and profound and, and give us a great uh, deal of uh, scope into a future that's, that's brighter and, and has uh, profound meaning available to, you know, all forms of, of conscious life, not just, you know, even humanity. And so um, I, I really feel strongly that our, our continued advancement of uh, science and and really optimistic uses of of the scientific method to to grow and 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 to reform our thoughts about certain things you know including 
um, our place in the universe and the meaning that comes from it is uh, is profound and 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 really should should capture awe and inspiration in everyone. Yeah, and I really do like how you draw in some of the science um, into your discussion about meaning. Um, and you know, it's, it's my understanding that your professional background is is as an engineer and technology strategist. I mean, I'm curious, how has your professional background in those fields um, helped you gain better understanding into meaning and even some of these subjective states of consciousness that you reference? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I have worked in semiconductor engineering, so I make the memory that's in your phone or your solid state device inside of your computer um, and have done that for 20 years now. And so when you when you think about what your computer does for you or or, you know, what I appreciate more and more is virtual reality. And so the, the thing that is. I think most uh, most telling of and and I go into this quite a bit in meaning in the multiverse is that uh, if you go into virtual reality and you put on the new Oculus headset, say, and uh, what you're really looking at is computer code. You're looking at a computational reality. The thing about that computational reality is is that the more that they use say New Newtonian mechanics to represent um, the, when you throw a ball, for example, the more that they use Newtonian mechanics to represent that, that ball being thrown and the distance that it travels or what have you, the more accurate that virtual reality is to our real reality, the more fidelity that it has to what it is that we recognize as our reality. And so that has profound implications in that, you know, there is no real limit to our ability to code into virtual reality, uh, the reality that we see. The limit is, is sort of twofold. It's our understanding of the nature of those algorithms. So the algorithms of nature um, and our technological advances to code them into virtual reality. So, you know, if you think about what's coming in from that virtual reality machine, it's just the code that we understand the Schrodinger equation, Newtonian mechanics, quantum mechanics, and things like that. The better that we're able to represent that and the better the technology is or the constructor that we're using to represent that reality. So as we move then from a classical computer into a quantum computer, we're able to even further uh, add fidelity to uh, the nature of that virtual reality such that um, we, we are not limited to uh, just constructing a virtual reality, but we could construct a, a complete simulation and you know, I've I've written a, a blog post for the spiritual media blog uh, that that goes into uh, you know, are we living in a simulation? And 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 the the new movie at Sundance, uh, a glitch in the matrix that was just picked up. Um, and and again, for a advanced enough society, a quantum computational simulation of our reality uh, 
knowing what they would know about the laws of physics would be completely um, would be com completely plausible. Um, so that gives us a, a great deal of of exciting future. And again, this might be fifty years out to go to the next step and and create a virtual experience. So what do we need to do to to virtualize consciousness and to to actually make our computers or or a, a virtual reality that is experiential in nature. Well, I think we need the same things. We need to understand the technology, the constructor, if you will, of what it is that makes consciousness. And we need to understand um, those algorithms, the wave function of, uh, of experience, if you will, that sort of um, the, the algorithms that make our, our consciousness you know, something that in a computational world we can simulate, we can, we can put into a, a virtual experience. And so it, if you look at some of the illustrations in, in Meaning the Multiverse, the virtual, uh, the virtual existence comes in through that, uh, that VR machine, but virtual experience still has to come out from our brain. We still have to understand those equations in order to be able to put that into likely a, a quantum computer and, um, and recreate consciousness for uh, another, another entity, in this case, largely a computational entity um, like a quantum computer. So again, I think that all of that is possible. And, and, and that's why you know, my experience as a semiconductor engineer, I think really drives some of this, uh, th this thought process is because you know, I've been there on the ground floor of some of these uh, technologies. And, and so it, science is going to progress all, almost exponentially. We, it's very difficult to say, oh, that, that's not possible for our technological advancement 200 years in the future. We've only been doing the kind of science that we've been doing with the equations of quantum physics and, and relativity for the last you know, 50, maybe 100 years, if you if you give us all the way back to the, the 1920s. So it, we're really still on the cusp of, of some great things. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Again, I, I like how you reference the idea of science being able to support um, existence and meaning. Um, but I'm also curious to hear your thoughts on some phenomena that might defy or be slightly inconsistent with science's conception of a three-dimensional nature reality. Just for example, you know, Carl Jung mentioned synchronicity or meaningful coincidences, you know, events that take on personal meaning to someone, but they defy statistics or even just something like a, a miracle or somebody heals in a way that defies science's understanding of how people heal. I mean, what do you make of you know, those sources of, of meaning that people experience that defy science's traditional understanding of reality? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly science has been almost all on the existence and almost, you know, not, uh, not at all, but certainly, you know, it has much less experience in the experiential realms of, of, of science. So we have a great deal of science on 
4% of the universe, right? The, the material side of the universe. There's another 96% of the universe that's dark matter and dark energy that we understand far less. Um, we understand, you know, consciousness only very, in a very limited sense. And they, again, uh, Thomas Nagel uh, writes about what it would be like to be a bat. And he really, he really asked the question of, you know, conscious experience and, and what it, how to define it um, in, in just a philosophical sense. And, and in that paper, in the footnotes of that paper, he talks about um, there almost having to be a, uh, a separate uh, neutral interlocutor between the brain and, and, and consciousness, or the, sorry, the brain and the universe, the, the, the brain and the rest of existence in order to form consciousness. And, and so in my conception in, in meaning in the multiverse, I talk about that as being parallel psychism. So the idea of panpsychism is that uh, everything in this universe is conscious and, and that goes all the way down to atoms and quarks. And, you know, we can't necessarily know the experience of an earthworm, much less a, a quark or an atom, right, in, in that conception. But parallel psychism is a little bit easier to comprehend in that, you know, across all of these parallel universes, there are greater and lesser, uh, uh, greater and lesser uh, peak experiences for both Matt and myself in this moment. And, and we uh, are some sort of interference pattern between all of those different uh, many minds of, of ourselves in, in this moment. So with these sort of speculative uh, conceptions of the universe itself and of what makes up experience, you know, parallel psychic experience is something that is going to take hundreds of years of scientific advancement in quantum computation as well as uh, in, in neuroscience to really unearth if there's anything there to unearth at all. Um, but with these more speculative uh, conceptions of, uh, of the universe writ large, the multiverse even, uh, we come into a place where there, there may be explanations for some of these, uh, for some of these experiences that are well-founded in science, um, uh, that, that, that become more well-founded in science. Um, and, uh, and some of them will have to go to the place of, of falsifiability. I mean, that's the beauty of science is that we, uh, you know, I can, be, I, I can be a many worlds theorist until the day that there is a better theory. Um, uh, you know, we are stuck in a material conception of the universe right now in our physics, but quantum physics at some point in time will become the Newtonian mechanics of, of science, of physics. And, and it'll be replaced by something that it, it won't be replaced by, but it will be subsumed into some greater concept of science um, that likely brings in, you, you know, more experiential components as well as that brings in dark matter and dark energy. So um, what is beautiful about science is that you know, you can look forward to a time where uh, those those theories of ours will be highly falsified, um, 
or will gain some subsumption into some broader understanding. Um, and, and for those, uh, you know, for those more experiential components of, of what's meaningful, uh, certainly it is uh, very difficult to say uh, that those things don't happen. Uh, again, your first person subjective experience is your own. Uh, right now, we can't even tap into with technology to say that you or I are conscious in the same way, right? Or uh, it's just uh, one of those things that, that science hasn't gotten us to yet. And so to say that those things aren't happening or aren't giving people meaning is uh, really... Uh, it is really not in a in a in a spot that we can go to yet. Um, certainly, our our current uh, models of of physical reality don't get us there, but we can speculate that that science will bring us greater advances in the future, and and those advances will be uh, absolutely against our intuitions. That that is that is already the case. Yeah, I, I appreciate what you have to say. I mean, it sounds like you're you're recognizing, you know, what science has to offer us now, but also being open to the possibility that there may be new um, scientific models available that we're not aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, again, I think that you know. So in the book, we cover uh, four. We we cover materialism, which is again, responsible for the fact that we're having this com uh, this conversation that that you can drive to the supermarket that you don't know where it's at and use your GPS to you know position yourself anywhere on the planet uh, with great degrees of accuracy. Uh, 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 the you know the cell phones, the the quantum tunneling that happens inside of our our machines to uh, to store and and to to build out the logic of any device. All of that is thanks to a materialistic conception of, of the universe. Um, but there are others and there have always, there have been others for a long, long time. You know, back to the Taoists, the Taoists were one of the original process ontology um, metaphysicians who believe that, you know, the way or the Tao is, uh, our, is a process conception uh, that, that makes matter and energy, and that that nothingness between um, that 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 space that consciousness is for everything that that nothingness that 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 space that's open that can become anything that be can become this conversation that can when I close my eyes can become an idealistic universe where consciousness is is coming from without as opposed to from within. Um, all of that is is uh, the earliest concept of, of of process ontology that is now well supported by uh, a, a physics of the holographic universe principle and and uh, as well as a computational universe, a, a quantum computational universe. Um, but we also go through, you know, like I've mentioned, those theories of idealism where the universe is made of consciousness. And, you know, if that's the case, you know, maybe we're, maybe we're the neuron in this greater universal consciousness, or maybe we're a single qualia. Maybe we are the redness of red to the universe. And so we are an experiential component, which would explain a, a lot of those type of things like synchronicity. I mean, if you think about the the 10 things that have went through your mind just through this conversation, 
that are that are inside of there on your side of experience that nobody else is ever going to hear you know those are as random as you know boy i really need a drink of water or this guy is long-winded or whatever the case might be right in that you know those things are are arising in consciousness to to such a degree that you don't you don't know where they're coming from if that is how the universe works at a fundamental level and there's all of these qualia that make up our lives as well as the, the planets and, and, and the algorithms of the universe, if that's all just the experience of some greater mind, that, that allows for everything, right? Just like your subjective, just, just like, you know, my subjective consciousness can go from one end of the universe to another, can describe it as a computer or as consciousness at a fundamental level can talk about super strings and really understand the latest developments in, in physics. If that's how the universe works, then the sky is the limit on what is going through the stream of consciousness of the universe. And, 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 then, and then when you actually add in parallel universes, which are not a, fan, a fantastical way to think about the universe, but are in fact the uh, most easy way to get to um, the, the, the sense of, of what we see in something like the single particle dual slit experiment, we can, we can get to a parallel universe that is just as rich and profound in, in all of these ways, but that is uh, replicated across many possibilities, both near to our conception of, of physics and, and possibility and infinitely far away. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I appreciate your willingness to look at the science, but be open to other possibilities. I mean, and along those lines, another thing you talk about in your book that I th think is fascinating, I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on it, are, is flow state. I mean, can you just describe, for, you know, what, what do you mean by flow state? How, do, how does that help us find, you know, meaning? And, you know, how can people get into flow states? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I distinguish between, um, I do a, a lot in the book to distinguish between and then try and to combine what I call experience. So that's that first person, yeah, that's consciousness, you, you know, by and large, loving awareness um, and uh, existence. So that's the multiverse, the universe, the world as it is, right? And so what um, I, when I talk about these conceptions of mindful experience, most of the time we're trying to plug into consciousness with our, uh, our mindfulness, right? We are trying to understand experience as it is and not label it, not label that as a cramp or a deep breath or a shallow breath, but just experiencing uh, what it is like to be a, a first person subjective experiencer of, of, of things. Um, and then I contrast that with flowing with existence, which is you know, much more uh, your propriety in developing those states where you're manipulating the world in some way, you're manipulating the world as it exists. So slightly different than uh, mindful experiences flowing with existence is your ability to deliberately practice. So you get to that virtuous cycle where you are um, building 
a, a base of, uh, of existence uh, to, to where you're better and better at something inside of existence. So that might be playing the trumpet, right? To, to the level where you can play a full song um, and then you can actually bridge out and go beyond a full song to you have virtuosity to uh, be able to interpret something and, and, and make it your own. And then you have greater virtuosity to where you can go into a concert and you can play something that's very complex and that you can play it with virtuosity with a, a, whole, a whole group, an ensemble. And, um, and, and on and on to those states of, of flow that we see in our greatest performers, uh, you know, in the case of the trumpet of Miles Davis, right? You know, Louis Armstrong, where these are people who they, had, you know, Itzhak Rabin once said about uh, when, when he was addressed uh, by uh, a fan of, of his as a violinist, she, she said, you know, I would, I would give my life to be able to play the violin like you do. And he simply said to her, I have. I have given my life. I have practiced deliberately for my entire life to be at this level. And, and certainly for, for the achievement of someone like that, for that sort of virtuosity, um, it, it does take all of those, all of that time. But the the hidden secret and the gem of, of what I talk about is that in that case, practice makes purpose is that those practice sessions are full of flow, flow of that time where um, time goes away. And, and you are one with the existence of making music or, or playing chess or even, you know, making chain link, if that is your flow state, like the thing that I think people fail to understand is that it is really completely random what you are going to find flow in. I find a lot of flow in making smart art inside of PowerPoint. Love, love, love smart art. And, and um, you know, find a lot of flow in those kind of things. Manipulating my website, same thing. Um, writing is a little bit more obvious one for me. Um, but, but we can find flow states in, in any sort of realm that existence has on offer. And um, the, the thing about the thing that's neat about both mindful experience and, and more transcendental states of mindful experience or of flowing with existence is that those might be meaningful for the universe. That might be the multiverse persuading us to do those things that we're good at because it needs us to do those uh, things. I like that. So, so we might end up at some point in time where because we are the only thing that experiences for the multiverse, it is not conscious at all. It doesn't have the ability to understand how profound and awesome it is that it is driving us to more and more mindful experience. It may well be the case that, you know, because we are facing a heat death, many, many, many you know, billions of years in the future of the universe, that it needs us to turn some switch to, to gain such knowledge of the, the manipulation of the fabric of the universe itself, the symmetries that, that make us either expand on forever or come back to some steady state that we might need to, as a species, be doing science 
for hundreds of thousands of millions of years in order to be able to do that. And our flowing with existence right now is helping to you know, perpetuate our species, to, to solve problems, to, to give flow states to those scientists and engineers you know, through their listening to the music of Miles Davis or Louis Armstrong, that's gonna help perpetuate our species to a place where the universe is using us as a deep learning experiment to be meaningful to something that it has to get done. Um, and it can't get done because it doesn't know how to do knowledge. It doesn't know how to experience itself. And so these things are maybe not only, and, and again, this is all very speculative and, and, um, and but it, it places humanity's knowledge and ability to experience for itself in its rightful place of preeminence in a, in a multiverse that can't do those things. Yeah, so I mean, I think one thing you, you said that I think makes sense is like, if I heard you right, one way to create meaning is to look for ways to help the universe expand or make a contribution to the universe or, you know, get, provide value. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and so again, that is uh, like with synchronicities, you can't know what's important. You, you are not going to know the mind of God in, in that way, right? Yeah. And so if your thing is making chain link and, and making the most beautiful chain link that you can possibly make, right? Then, and, and that gives you flow, that likely has uh, you know, a, a great state of meaning for, for, for the universe, right? That, that just sense of, of participating in existence in that way where it's timeless, you, you lose your sense of self in it, right? Is, is something that's also because the, the universe can't do that. The universe can't, can't make things other than what it can make using the laws of physics, stars, planets, you know, comets, dust, whatever, right? It can only do those things. It can't make chain link. It can't make computers. Yeah, I, I, I really agree with that. And however, I think that's, that's easier for some people than others. Um, you know, like, like for me, one of the ways I find flow is, you know, through writing or doing these interviews um, or even just like, you know, coaching and counseling. It's something that I enjoy doing and I feel like creates value. But for other, other some of the people that I work with, you know, they, they don't, they don't know how to create meaning or purpose in their life. And what's, what's interesting is they may have reached all of the markers that society says is important. They, they have a successful career where they make six figures. They have a wife and a family and they're reasonably happy. They're able to like take time on go to go on vacations, do interesting hobbies. But then they, they come to me and they say, I, I, I don't have any meaning or purpose. You know, I, I, you know, how do I create meaning or purpose? I mean, so, you know, what, what sort of practical advice would you give to someone who's like, I, I don't know what I enjoy. I, you know, I, I, I like going out on a boat ride, but it, you know, it doesn't give me meaning or purpose. Yeah. I, I, I definitely think that it is a, a difficult practicality, right. To, yeah. to find those things. Um, you know, one, a, a couple of, a, a couple of little tidbits, I, I think that 
that have worked for me. Um, certainly when it comes to, we're, as, as humans, we're, we're, we're likely to compare ourselves to others and, and to really try and draw on, on those comparisons. And so one of the things that, that I always say is uh, find somebody that, that you are even up to the state of envy, which isn't necessarily a great feeling or emotion to have, but if you're up to the state of envy around, you know, somebody's life or their job, um, that is likely a pretty good indicator of the fact that you think that there's something in that for you, right? Okay. That okay. that you would find, uh, you know, some meaning from that. Um, I, you know, I also wrote a post for the spiritual media blog uh, on uh, the pandemic's life lessons and and the. Um, five Invitations by Frank Ostaseski, uh, who, who writes beautifully about, uh, you know, he runs the Zen Hospice Center and writes beautifully about uh, his time with the dying in, in hospice uh, and, and bringing loving awareness to that. Uh, and, and so imagining yourself in that state, which we'll all get to one day, and, and thinking back on what it is that's important to people in that state and, and reading up on it and understanding, I think, what is, what is uh, normal for, for people who are, are dying to uh, think about with, in terms of uh, real endearment and uh, uh, also with regret of things that they didn't do. And so, you know, one of the things that you're never going to hear somebody say is, oh, you know, I, I, I wish I worked, you know, more hours at a job that I didn't like or I didn't like my boss, you, you know. And, and one of the things that's almost ubiquitous is um, the time that I spent with family, with friends and, and building relationship. And again, I think that you can find flow in building relationship. Certainly the most mindful moments that I have off of the cushion or with my wife and in just appreciating the nexus of experiences that uh, of when I'm around her and the, not only the conversation that we're having but you, you know the the beauty of the room that she's created or the smells that are coming you know from the kitchen or uh, the the smarts and the service that she's doing you, you know to the hardness of granite and just the the, the fact of of all of those experiences, I, I think you, flowing and finding purpose inside of your relationship is uh, also, uh, I, I mean, talk about blending two important things is trying to find flow in building your relationship and understanding all of the dynamics that come with time and the changes that people are gonna be in and flowing with those as well. Um, is, a, is a super smart thing to do is sort of blending those things together that that uh, you know you think are purposeful um, and and certainly you know I'm a big fan of of sort of team you know, um, aspects and 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 building relationships with broader coalitions of people as well and so um, you know anything that and and I'm not so austere as that it's got to be playing the trumpet doing chess you know or or basketball and those are the three those are the things that come with some sense of flow like i've mentioned before i, I mean i've 
I've been in semiconductor engineering and, and places where there's a, there's a friend of mine who's a mechanic is basically what he does on, on these very uh, complex pieces of equipment and he can be in them for hours and, and find flow. And so it really is open to all sorts of, of things in existence as to what you can find flow in. But, but those tidbits of, you, you know, live like you were dying, like we were talking about, you know, that, that song. Um, I, I think that, you know, who are you envious of and, and what do they really have going on that you think you would like to be a part of? And then, uh, you know, ultimately, you know, trying to blend those things that, that you think are going to be meaningful from either of those first two sort of tips or tricks, um, you, you know, and, and blend those in with relationships that you have with people, um, you know, try and try and build that, that um, for more than just yourself. That's great. That's great. And, um, you know, um, I also, I do want to be mindful of time. We've got about, you know, 10 minutes left and I want to, was there any other topics in your, in your, I have maybe a couple more questions, but I also want to just check in. Is there any other questions or topics in your book that you were hoping that we would get to? Um, I, one of the things that I think is, is important is that, you know, I, I, I definitely want to be open to, uh, you know, people who, who question universal meaning or just personal meaning. Like this book is, and, and just like any book, you learn so much by writing it and, and, and it opens you to a whole bunch of new possibilities. And so, you know, I, I do talk about sort of three types of, of meaning uh, in the book. And, and so uh, meaning in the multiverse is focused on trying to find uh, a, a loving cosmos, and and by that I am hoping to to have some sort of meaning coming down from the universe from sort of on high, right? And so I call that you know all natural universal meaning. Um, it is possible that that is that it, that does happen, right? A computational universe opens up that possibility. Um, a, a conscious universe opens up that possibility, uh, a parallel universe uh, that is computational opens up that possibility. Um, there is also a sort of subset of that where meaning is still personal, but it's prevalent. It's prevalent either across all of existence because you have some sort of everything is conscious. And so everything gets conscious personal meaning so this sort of idea of personal prevalent meaning, and that can be, uh, you know, as we talked about sort of the, the meaning that I call the qualia of God meaning, if we're just an experience inside of this greater universal consciousness, that is also a possibility for, you know, parallel psychic or panpsychic um, prevalent meaning that is just personal. It's not coming down from the nature of existence. Um, I certainly touch on supernatural meaning. Um, and, and so as opposed to the sort of all natural meanings that come from a universe that isn't producing, um, isn't produced from gods or uh, goddesses, um, but is, you know, all natural, that's, that's been sort of the meaning that's been out there for 
thousands of years of human existence and, and that we understand to be the sort of universal meaning that's that's available. But you know, this meaning in the multiverse really shines a light on the fact that there is universal meaning possible from an all natural universe that doesn't have supernatural entities floating around in it. And then again, you know, what it comes down to is that even if this is just a materialistic universe, even if all we know about science today is, is what we're going to know and we live in a single universe that's quantum mechanical in nature, even if that is the case, even if we're the only thing that is conscious, personal meaning that, that, is, that is your ability to flow with existence or be mindful of experience is still profound and still offers a, a personal meaning that is valuable to the universe itself because it can't do that, right? No matter if it's persuading us to do that or if we're just unique in being able to do that, our personal meaning of, of being mindful of our experience and really taking in the present moment and, 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 and living it fully, if it was a video game, if, if all of this was a video game, you were trying to score points, right? The way that you would score points in our current knowledge of the world is to be fully aware of the present moment. There's nothing that's better than that, right? If you, if you look out on every sort of experience that you can have, right, from the best to the worst, if you're experiencing those best moments, you're getting bonus points. You're getting gems off from that, right? As, a, as opposed to, um, you know, just, just kind of going through the paces and, and checking the boxes. Like you mentioned, you might not get a lot of meaning out of continuous promotions and advancements in your job and, and making more money. But if you're experiencing those with the happiness that comes from them, with the gratitude that should come from your luck in being able to do those things that bring your, you and your family success, right? That's where you're getting those additional mm you know, bonus points in this game that is, um, in this game that is, you know, our, our experience and, and, and our life. And so, and the same thing goes with flow. You, you can have that. So um, meaning in the multiverse is speculative. I believe that some of the things that are in there are, uh, are opportunities for humanity to come together a little bit, which I know you're concerned about, Matt. Uh, to to have a, a, a broader uh, purpose that that uh, is unifying and and helps us to you know build as a species and and build upon our our uniqueness and experience and knowledge as a species um, but it's it's not all uh, woo and wizardry and 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 hopefulness it it does go into what we know, as, as the fact right now, which is that we can offer a great deal of profundity and joy and, and transcendence both to ourselves and in our relationships by just being more mindful of our experience and to flow with those things that we really feel like we contribute to and that give us that practice and, and purpose um, when, when we're doing that. 
That's yeah, that sounds that sounds great. Um, and, and again, Justin, I really do appreciate just how much, you know, comprehensive thought and that you have put into um, this book and our conversation uh, today. Um, you know, I, I, I want to make sure, you know, if, if people want your book, um, Meaning in the Multiverse, A Skeptic's Guide to a Loving Cosmos, where's the best place for them to get it? So it, it's uh, out on my website and, and all of my links, Twitter, everything are connected to justinaharnish.com. Um, and uh, you, can, you can get the book there uh, in the shop. You can get it on Amazon, uh, a couple other places. Uh, I think it turned out really great. Um, you know, beautiful, uh, you know, beautiful quantum computer underneath a lotus flower. So you've got the sort of um, meaning and uh, what is creating the multiverse uh, in the quantum computer, you've got uh, experience and you've got existence. Um, so a, a symbol of, of what it is that, that, uh, that, is, that is building out that book. But yeah, justinaharnish.com uh, slash shop. If you go to the shop, you can find uh, the book in its paperback or uh, numerous sort of ebook forms. That's, that's great. And thanks for explaining that cover. That's really cool. I mean, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's an interesting picture, but didn't understand the significance. So thanks for pointing that out. Um, I, well, we might have another minute or two. Any, any last thoughts or last words for our audience? Well, I just, again, I, I appreciate uh, everybody who uh, comes into this realm uh, with, a, with an open mind and, and an open heart. Uh, again, I I believe in uh, the idea that that we as a, a human species have something to offer to the multiverse um, and we are unique in that. We may be uh, short on intergalactic range. Our computational abilities may be, may be small. We still may be you know, sucking up the fossil fuels on, on just our planet and not utilizing the energy in a, in a more galactic, uh, in a less parochial way. But we are absolutely unique in our ability to experience existence and to fully appreciate the profundity uh, that is there in our, um, our unique awareness and, and building a loving awareness of of, of our experience. And then we are also unique in our ability to comprehend and describe the world around us. And, and we do that, you know, through our science, but we also uh, do that uh, by advancing music and art and the forms of, uh, uh, of existence that uh, build, you know, on, on culture and, and that form a, a greater and greater society. So I am very optimistic and, and uh, appreciative of communities like this one that are, are so advanced and, and hopeful and optimistic and, and just don't get down. Yeah, you know, there's, there's been a lot of uh, difficulty with the pandemic, um, with, uh, with things that have gone on and, uh, you know, a rise of authoritarianism across the, the democratic, uh, West. And, and I do believe that, uh, these, you know, hiccups, global warming, things like that are problems that can be solved, that we will solve, uh, that we need to solve as, as a species. And, and we've got a, a brilliant, 
future of, of greater and greater well-being, um, you know, shared with uh, greater and greater knowledge and acquisition of, of, of important information. So uh, thank you very much for, for having me, Matt, and for the whole spiritual media community. Uh, it's been great. Well, good, Justin. I'm glad to hear that because we, we appreciate having you and hearing your insights and thoughts on a very important and fascinating topic. Um, so as I said, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog. And today we really enjoyed our conversation with Justin Harnish, author of Meaning in the Multiverse, A Skeptic's Guide to a Loving Cosmos. Um, Justin, thanks again for being here with us and we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you. All right.